To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have back on my buddy, Tony Treach. Uh, so I really like Tony. Uh, we've shared a camp together before and then also spent some time at the Western Hunting Summit. And then I've had him on the podcast multiple times. But uh, he's one of those guys that's just consistently successful. Uh, he he just makes it happen, both with his bow and with his rifle. Uh, he leaves his house, and he's gone for three to four months at a time hunting all these western states. Uh, guy's an absolute animal, and I always learn something every time I talk to him. And uh, He's so dedicated, uh, uh, spends so much time in the mountains, so much time scouting. A lot of times he scouts for as many or more days than he hunts, and so... That's what this podcast episode is about. It's uh, about scouting prior to the hunt. It's about locating an animal. It's about keeping your head right during a long duration, as Tony knows a lot about that, being gone from his house for months at a time. Uh, So just a great overall podcast with a good friend, Tony Treach. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. So we'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank Everly Stock. Everly Stock is building great durable packs that pack the weight right. Uh, I've been using them the last handful of seasons. They've got an array of packs for every different use. Uh, so I'm um, using the Kite Pack as my day pack, just a super day pack that uh, is stealthy. It like sits tight to my back. I can hunt with it on. I can also pack an animal out if I shoot an animal. It'll pack heavy weights really well. Uh, so I really like that for a day pack. I've even used it as an overnight pack. I have the little big top. I'll use that for uh, smaller duration hunts like three days days, four days, stuff like that. And then uh, I'm using their destroyer pack for expedition style hunts. Uh, I also, um, they, they have a pack that sits on the mainframe called their Vapor Series. So it sits on their mainframe, which packs weight really well. You can get a, a 2,500 cubic inch bag, 5,000 cubic inch bag. It has a meat shelf in it. Uh, It's got straps to strap down the weight. It's a real minimalist bag, so it's lightweight. Uh, I've also been using that quite a bit for all different hunts as well. So uh, if you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to go check them out over at Everly Stock. They also have some really cool new items too, like a bino harness with a a holster in it. Uh, They have dry bags that they're coming out with. I saw those. I need to get some of those for my arsenal as well. So uh, a bunch of other smalls that you can add to your pack to make it work for your hunt. So Everly Stock, go check them out. I also want to thank Sig Sauer. Um, So impressed by Sig Sauer's optics. So uh, they have their standard binos. Uh, They have them in all different sizes. I have their 11 by 45s that are great around the chest. I also have their 15 by 56s, which are amazing tripoded up. Uh, Also using their scope, it's a a 27 by 55 by 80 mil objective lens. Uh, Just a great crisp scope. And uh, they offer a good price point with this high-end quality glass. I'm so impressed. And then um, rangefinders are the best in the business. Um, I, I have the, um, the, the Kilo 5, I think it's called. Amazing rangefinder. 
the same ranges on light and dark targets, a fast laser, a powerful laser to shoot through grass, multiple settings, angle compensation is spot on, just an amazing rangefinder. And I actually hear they're going to send me a new one for testing, but this one I'm using, I'm just in love with right now. But we'll see what they come up with. The other thing I've been using is their image stabilizing binos. I think this is the biggest revolution to hit Western hunting uh, that I've that I've seen in the last ten years. It's amazing. I'm using their their ten by thirty two binos. You hit a switch on it, and it's image stabilization. So you come over a windy ridge, uh, you sit down. It's like you have your binos tripoded up. I've been spotting a ton of game with them. They also have a pair of sixteen by forty fives that I carry in my pack that are lightweight, and a lot of times it takes the place of a scope for me. Um, so, uh, those binos are amazing. They're pretty much going with me everywhere. So make sure to check out those. Uh, they also have a really good price point for them. So if you're in the market for anything, Sig Sauer Optics is your place to go get them. Also want to thank Onyx. Uh, Onyx has changed the way that I scout and hunt. Um, uh, I use their app probably more than I use any app on my phone. I'm constantly on there in the evenings looking at spots, making game plans, marking waypoints. You can share waypoints with your friends. You can catch maps or save maps of the areas you'll be. So if you don't have service, your GPS still works. Uh, you can mark tracks, which is really good for safety, like going across cliffs or small bands of public land to make sure that you don't trespass on there. It's got all the, the private public borders, so you can uh, hunt with confidence. Just an amazing program. And I'm actually doing a webinar for OnX. Uh, so you can get your ticket. It's free through OnX. I'm going to do it Monday. I believe it's Monday at 6 o'clock. And Monday, let me see what date that is right before I leave on my hunt there. So it's August 8th. Uh, so I'm going to be on there. Dan Bacar is going to be on there. We're going to do a webinar, try to share some good information for you on um, uh, spotting and stalking, on elk hunting, mule deer hunting, things of that nature. Uh, so if you're around Monday, you can tune in. You can also get it after we do the webinar. It'll be available. You can get your tickets through OnX, so you're all set to go and uh, super excited about it. So yeah, uh, tune in for that webinar and uh, also make sure you're a member of OnX, just an amazing program. And with that, over at Eastman's, we're doing the soft launch of the Mule Deer School. So the Mule Deer course is out. Uh, we haven't really pushed it too much anywhere, and we're just trying things out, making sure everything's going to work right. Guys, this is an absolute steal. This is everything I know about Mule Deer. It's like an 8- to 10-hour course, uh, walks you through over 100 different videos and, and um, videos of us talking about key components to mule deer hunting. I put it on with Dan Bacar, with Guy Eastman. There's just a ton of information. There's no doubt it's going to shorten your learning curve by years hunting mule deer. Uh, so I'm super pumped about this. You can just search uh, Eastman's Mule Deer Hunting Course. Uh, you can search it. It's hosted through TagHub, but you do not need to be a TagHub member to uh, be part of this mule deer hunting school. I think we're offering it right now for $99, which is a steal. Uh, just a bunch of great information, uh, everything I know about mule deer hunting. So I'm super pumped about it. Uh, if you guys are interested in it, you can, you know, again, search that uh, uh, Eastman's Mule Deer course, um, uh, maybe backsplash, backsplash, backsplash. Jesus, I can't even say it now. Backslash uh, Eastman's Tag Hub, and you can find it on there. So um, amazing. And make sure to check out everything we do, the magazines, 
Uh, I just finished up an article. I woke up at four o'clock this morning to finish it and hit my deadlines. I'm just so busy here, but uh, sent over an awesome one on on mule deer hunting, where I took some excerpts from the the course and wrote this article uh, about mule deer hot. Uh, hunting. So I went in depth on locating mule deer, went in depth on stalking mule deer, and also on uh, the mental side of things. So great article. You can find that coming up in the next Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Man, I'm having trouble talking, so I better wrap this thing up and get it released to you guys. Uh, also, check out our Beyond the Grids. Uh, I have that high country hunt that's on there. I've got a new one that's going to be hitting soon. Dan Picard's got some amazing elk hunts that are coming out here. Uh, so super pumped at the products that we're putting out on Beyond the Grid. You can search Eastman's Hunting TV, find that on uh, YouTube, and uh, that'll pop right up, our Beyond the Grid episodes. A bunch of episodes on there for you guys to watch. All right, I think I covered it. Um, let's get this um, let's get this podcast out to you guys before my brain turns to mush. This is a great conversation between me and Tony Treach, a guy I really respect. Uh, that's just all in. He absolutely goes for it. Spends so much time out west. Uh, consistent killer, and um, he, he just has great insight uh, into these different hunts, so it made for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. think you guys will enjoy it too. Uh, so Tony Treach, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Hey there. Hey, good morning, Tony. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Ah, good. Just getting stuff ready. <laughs> I bet. Keeping busy, huh? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Work's crazy busy and just trying to keep the wife happy and uh, employees employed and uh, get still getting myself ready to go, so... It's such a balancing act, isn't it? Just life in general, like just balancing work and family and then, you know, our passion of, of hunting the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's easier every year. Uh, you know, I, I, well, I shouldn't say some, keeping the wife happy is a constant, you know, that, that, that evolves, but everything else is pretty smooth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and it just takes effort is the deal. It's like, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, I, I just can't leave, you know, I can't quit putting effort into the construction company or quit putting effort into things that I want to succeed. And so it is just such a balancing act with time, you know, making sure that I'm putting in the time so the business is running smooth. And, and then also, you know, putting time into hunting and making sure I'm having fun in life, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I, it's a constant constant piece of work well and you're um you're putting together a film for this season so you put together a film last year right i haven't had a chance to check it out yet tony where can i watch that thing at uh it's on rock slides youtube yeah oh, cool we did one one last year and then uh yeah they hosted it and then uh we actually can do at least two this year two that i've you know got proposals out and you know uh contracts with sponsors to help cover everything and then uh i have I'm going to try to film my other hunts, uh, just as practice. So we'll see how, uh, you know, see how that goes. And maybe, uh, you know, if, if they turn out good enough, then I'm, I'll maybe I'll, you know, and I, and I eventually want to be able to edit my own stuff too. I, you know, and that's, so maybe with the ones, the other ones that I don't have contracts with, uh, 
you know, sponsors right now, I'll, I'll just maybe practice my own editing and put that on my own YouTube and just, because I don't really have, I've never put any work into my YouTube channel. So um, maybe that's a way to also get that done too. So. That is so cool, Tony. Like, I can't wait to see you apply yourself to this. Like, you, you're you're good at anything that you apply yourself to. And so uh, these films, I can't wait to check them out. Now, last year, uh, that film was uh, – and we talked about it on the last podcast, but uh, it was like uh, your hunt that you do in Kansas where you chase bucks out there, spot and stalk, and you use a decoy. Am I right about that? Yep. 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 We uh, – yeah, my, my partner uh, – Blake Hunter there in, in the film, he, uh, his family had a connection in Colorado in the Eastern Plains, uh, with a, with a landowner. We were able to get a voucher there. Uh, we were supposed to get two and it's becoming harder even for the ranchers to get vouchers. So we only end up with one. And since I didn't draw Kansas, you know, we're, the, the whole idea was to have two tags in two states for both of us. And as it worked out, we each had one tag, uh, in each state so yeah we we killed two good bucks um blake's buck we had to wait because it, it ran onto private property and by the time i got permission the coyotes had completely destroyed the thing but i mean it was a hundred and oh i think he's like almost 180 inch whitetail and he had broken off he had triple brows on one side just gorgeous buck um and uh, i had video of him a couple days before we killed him and he had broken off I uh, want a whole side of that. So it probably would have been you know, mid 180s. I mean, we, the, of all the years for me not to draw a Kansas tag last year was the year. Not, oh, it was so frustrating because I found, um, I think overall there was four whitetails I'd found that were over 160, um, with two of them being, three of them being way over, uh, 170 and you know blake's was basically the smallest of, of the three biggest ones and i found two meal deer that were one of them i've only shared pictures with with i, I think three people and um he's one of the biggest meal that i've ever found in my life so and he's young so hopefully uh, maybe next year because we neither of us drew that darn either species uh uh permits or white till only this year but he's uh He's, yeah, because said I think he was only three years old last year, and I don't even want to guess how big he is. So <laughs> that is wild, Tony. Yeah, those mm -hmm. um, those are some white tails that would get me excited. Like I'm such a mule oh, yeah. guy, but that uh, that white tail hunt you've told me about out there has always interests me, especially the way you um, spot and stalk them out there. But yeah, I can't wait to go check out the the film on on Rockslide, and I can't wait to check out some of your newer projects. I think it's like such a a common thread with like the the blue collar bow hunter like it's so tough to capture these hunts and even that being a land voucher it's not um uh you, you know it's not some huge dollar uh, uh big ranch guided operation or th something oh, no. so like it's such a common thread with us, us blue collar bow hunters you know that that hunt in this western style and they're um, it's really tough to capture those type of films, and it takes like dedication to that craft of, of getting that video and telling that story. Uh, but I think you're going to be really good at it. I can't wait to see what you come up with. So uh, are you filming um, – you're going to film all your hunts this year, but what are the couple that you're going to put out on Rockslide? Is that uh, like your elk hunt you have coming up, or um, you also drew an Ibex tag this year again, so you're going back for one of those? 
Yeah. So, yeah, I, I almost feel bad talking about the tags that I got this year. Because, um, I mean, last year I drew basically one tag and turned it back, and then everything else was just vouchers. I'd say. I mean, I had nothing last year. And this year was, you know, I, I lined up a couple of vouchers because I, I didn't want, you know, the same thing to happen again. It's like, you know, it's becoming harder and harder to draw even the easy tags. So I actually uh, lined up two vouchers. Um, one being that, that, that Colorado Eastern Plains, we're going to film that again. And that's, and that's one of the ones where that's going to be you know, basically the same thing as last year, but, uh, just new set of bucks and, uh, new year. And then the other one is going to be the other voucher that I lined up and that was in Nevada for elk. And it's, you know, I never, never thought I'd be doing it, but after the experience I had in there, it's, I mean, it is ridiculously fun and I, I i just can't i'll work whatever many hours i have to extra every year to be able to do that every single year it was just i mean it was the greatest hunt of my life um i mean it, was, it wasn't easy i was in there for 30 days but i mean it was just so much fun so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to film that um my first hunt though this year i drew basically probably the hardest tag i've ever drawn um I must have been, I was talking with a buddy of mine who knows the, the statistics and everything, and he said that I was probably one of the first 25 people pulled for antelope in New Mexico when the draw happened because of what I, what I drew. And it's, I mean, everybody I've talked to said basically it's the best, one of the best units in the state um, for, for finding a, a monster antelope. And it's, it's an archery tag. All the tags I have this year basically are archery except for a, a general Montana deer. But, um, so I, yeah, I've got to starting off with just a ridiculously good antelope tag. And then I'm going to go do the, the Nevada elk. And, and that's my focus for, you know, my, my, that was going to be my, my own, I mean, you know, my main focus, but I've turned so many other tags now that after that, um, I'm probably going to end up turning back. I, I drew a second choice Colorado elk tag, but I'm gonna, probably going to turn it back because I'm just not going to have time. Because I'm going back to Montana this year. I haven't been there in three years for elk, or maybe it's two years, two or three years, anyways. Um, on a hunt that I really love, um, I've chased big bulls there every year. I've had it, and I'm going to go back and do that again after Nevada. And then turn around and going back down to New Mexico for the ibex, the archery ibex, um, which I, I drew that now twice in four years, and that's kind of a, a you know. A sore sore hunt you know I, I i was in there before and didn't didn't kill i i got i had plenty of opportunities and passed up most of them took one shot at a giant billy and caught vegetation with my arrow you know about four or five feet in front of me and arrow went low so it's i'm pretty excited to, to for a little redemption there on that hunt and uh and then if that gets done early enough, I still have a little time to maybe go back to Montana if I haven't filled that that archery elk tag. And then after that, uh, I'll probably hunt deer in Montana in the rifle season, uh, just because I have a, a review I'm doing for Rockside of a rifle, and it's my only uh, my only other chance to get a rifle tag. So, and then home for a little while, hopefully process a bunch of bunch of meat and uh, get back to Kansas for the last one that we're videoing uh, in, in Kansas and Eastern Colorado. And it's, so it's going to be busy. Um, and I haven't even wrote it all down on the calendar yet to show the wife how long I'm going to be gone, but I'm sure there's going to be a lengthy discussion 
<laughs> about that when I do, because <laughs> it's going to, I mean, I always, I always try to point out to her, it's like, you know, I could be done in two or three days here. And then, you know, heck, I could even you know fly you out or, you know, and we could spend a couple weeks <laughs> together in a backpack and just, just for fun. And, or I could go the entire length of the season and I'm basically gone for four months straight. So, <laughs> oh man, Tony, you're busy. It uh, it sounds like a lot like my schedule. Only I think you may even be busier yet. But yeah. um, you know, when it's what we love to do, like that's what we want to spend time doing. When we, you know, we're the lucky ones that have found our passion in life and this thing that we truly love. And and our opportunity being the working class is to try to draw these tags and um. I, I do, you know, I feel some guilt sometimes, too, when I draw a lot of tags or I end up with a bunch of hunts. But, you know, it's it's just because we've structured our life this way to be able to get time to go enjoy these adventures. And then also, you know, we get our name in a lot of hats. Like, I don't know about you, but I think I I had about fifteen or $17,000 sitting on cards this year just waiting for draw applications. Like, I get my name in a bunch of hats, and I'm, I'm really aggressive with tags like i mean i'll hunt second choice i'll hunt general season i'll hunt low point draws like i just want to be out in the woods and i think the key to it too is like uh building our hunting skill set you have spent so much time hunting out west as i have and experience is the best teacher like you can shorten those learning curves by you know um uh, you, you know, listening to information, reading information, talking to guys, but really you got to put it in this, this real life practice. And that's like the reason I'm a good bow hunter is because I bow hunt a lot. And so it's, it's really about structuring our lives to get the time to be able to go on these hunts. And, and yeah, it's fortunate, but both for me and you, like for me, it's been a 25 year journey to get to where I'm at, to structure my life to a place where I can take this amount of time and gosh, I just like... Man, when it's hunting season, I just feel alive. Like I feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. I just love being immersed in this, you know, in this challenge, you know, that uh, doesn't have these monetary benefits or, you know, not that I, you know, I make a little money off the podcast or a film or this or that, but I don't do it for those reasons. I do it for the love of the game the same way that you do. Um, yeah. but, but really it's about structuring our lives to get this time and, and people see this end goal, but they don't see all the work to get here. But the truth is, is that, you know, I, I'm nothing, you know, like I, uh, I'm nothing special as far as, you know, I've just worked hard and I've had this goal to hunt as much as I can. And I, you know, I feel like, um, yeah, even though you're, you're really intelligent and really talented and good at everything you do, I feel like anybody can accomplish what we've accomplished if they put their mind to it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it's by, it's by plan. It's by design. You know, there was a decision I made, you know, over 20 years ago that, uh, well, I guess my business had been around for 20 years. So before that, when I was working for somebody else, I mean, there was a plan to create time and create the the ability to to, to be able to just, yeah, you know, create time for myself to to be chasing deer. And it and it started it didn't start out for you know with a plan to be going out west. It started with me sleeping in farmers barns and you know all across the Midwest. And then but still the same thing. You know, I was gone for home from home for a month or two at a time and uh bouncing from state to state chasing tags and then you know it just evolved into the mountains and but it's you know in in the you know, I like a, you know at the western hunters hunting summit where you know we, we spent some time together there was some young guys there that 
I, I tried to make a point to talk to them about, you know, aside that, you know, they got, you know, figure out what, and it doesn't have to be, it can be anything. It, it doesn't have to be uh, in the hunting industry. Heck, I'd, I'd actually steer people away from that if you want to spend more time hunting. Um, but it, just figure out what you're good at, what you want to do. And, you know, number one, I'm a huge proponent of being self-employed. Um, like I'm basically unemployable right now. There's, there's no way I could go work for somebody else. I've, <laughs> I, what I've experienced and the freedom that I've, you know, um, but I tell these guys, these young guys, it's like, you know, find something that you are really good at, develop a, a plan or a business that doesn't always need you to have your thumb on top of it. You know, you know not standing over top of it while it, you know, while it makes you money. Um, and it can be anything, but, um, but that was my goal was just to basically build a business that, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough cause it's a service industry, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm supplying something, but for, for people, but, but I've got the right guys in place and the people I work for understand. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, you just have to, you know, figure out what it is and implement it. I mean, I, Maybe it doesn't work the first time. Maybe, maybe you're, you know, but you know, it's like you said, anybody can do it. And I'm, you know, it's not that I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm, you know, I'm just a carpenter, you know, I, but I figured out how to make this happen. And I think that with, and, and you have to have the right people around you too. Like, I mean, I know lots of buddies that, you know, basically have the same type of situation, you know, or similar to me that, you know, that they don't have to be up there, but they've got families that, need more time they've got a wife maybe that that needs them you know demands that they're around more my wife understands that this is my passion and this is what i was going to do no matter what you know when we met um i mean not not that everybody wants to know like what i would tell someone on a first date but i mean i laid it out there like this is what i do and i i am literally gone for months at a time in the fall and you know i will not be around and just you know, lay it out early. So you set expectations from the beginning and, you know, uh, and she went through three years of it before she, she said yes to marry me. And, uh, okay. One year I was, and I was gone almost four and a half months. So, uh, <laughs> you need to have the right people around you and, you know, you need to have the right employees too. Like I, you know, I've had guys work for me before that, uh, would resent the fact that I'm gone. And, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't see me the first, you know, 10 years when I was uh, working basically six days, seven days a week and, uh, you know, going in on the weekend and cutting in a set of stairs or just doing things that, you know, you know, being a business owner isn't like I get a lot of time off in the fall, but there's a lot of hours worked, whether it's on the job site or in the office or managing people and managing customers. I mean, there's, it's, it's not, how should I say this? at the end, the end goal was to have more time, but more time during a specific period of time. And, every, and the rest of the, the rest of the time when I'm home, I mean, it's, it's whatever it takes, you know, and you got to be willing to sacrifice then. So, Oh man, Tony, yeah. uh, um, this is such an interesting conversation for guys to listen into, like two guys that have really structured their life around, you know, what they love to do. And it's not easy 
to be happy in life. And, and the way to be happy in life is to do things that you enjoy. But it's so funny you talk about your conversation with your wife. I mean, that was the exact conversation with my wife, only it was 20 years ago, where I said, yeah. hey, this is what I love to do. I'm going to be doing this every season. I've lost a, a, a lot of really good uh, women to hunting season, you know, I just want to lay this out for you what this looks like and you're welcome to join in with me. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to spend time together. Here's what it, you know, it gives me perspective in my life to be a better uh, boyfriend or husband eventually. But, you know, this is what I love to do. This is what I'm going to spend time doing and nothing's going to stop me. And so like I laid mm -hmm. it out real early, but even guys in relationships, it's just having those, those open conversations and discussing it and making a plan. And and then you you talk about work and I which I think is great. There's there's like so much opportunity out here. Like um but it isn't easy, just like you stated. I'm the same way as I get time in the fall and it looks like I'm hunting all the time. But when I'm at home, I've got my work hat on, my family hat on, and, and I am going absolute full tilt with Barney construction and handling things. And it, you, you want right people in the right places to be able to handle things when you're gone, but it doesn't start out that way. It may start out you start a business and it's just you working on it or maybe you have a helper mm -hmm. and you need to get all the work done, but you can schedule yourself for September in the elk rut. You know, you can just say, you know, I won't be working in September. I've got, you know, this job, which that job means that I'm going elk hunting, but, um, you know, that's how I kind of did it early. And, and you have to be careful when you start a business and it means a lot to you. It's really easy to uh, work throughout hunting season or to not go chase your passion, but you just have to, when it's important to you you have to schedule it in but then you can grow this business and you can start to get the right people in the right places to be able to free you up for for this hunting season time and so i think that's what you're talking about but you know like like academia going through high school everybody's trying to push you into college and uh to to go get a good job and it it's like uh, nobody really talks about entrepreneurship and the opportunities to start your own business and work for yourself and like a both me and you are in the trades, and so like the trades is a great way to go. And not yeah. only can you be yeah. a general contractor or a carpenter, not only can you be an electrician or a plumber, but there's needs for all these different applications in the hunting world like uh insulators gosh i mean you, you spend a little money and you buy an operation to spray foam or put foam in or a tile worker it, you just have to like like pick a trade and, and then you have to work at your craft just like anything you have to get really good at it and whether you're a carpenter whether you're a tile layer whether you're an insulator you want to be the best out there and go the extra mile to do a quality project and start building these relationships with contractors so they hire you or with big business reputation so you can get uh, you know, chances at jobs and meet with owners and sell yourself and be able to get these projects. And your most important thing is reputation. But after you build it and, and uh, it is yours to, to, to have and to, you know, and to handle which way you see fit, like you can really afford yourself the freedom. But it's the same for working for guys too. Like there's a lot of good gigs where they're paying great money to go to work for some of these operations. And, uh, we're so short in the workforce that we need such quality guys that I know myself, you know, if I can get a carpenter that's that's driven, that works hard, that represents my business well, like I, I'll be flexible. If he wants to take two weeks in September, I'll figure it out for him because it's, yep. you know, he's working for me and for my business and I also want him to be happy. And so if he's going to work hard 
you know, like uh, 50 weeks out of the year, wants a couple weeks off to go chase what he loves to do. I'm going to make that happen. And so there's opportunities when you work for somebody, too. You just have to have these conversations like, hey, I'm committed to your business. I'm committed to doing the absolute best job for you that I can. But hey, I really want to take a week here and a week here. Can we work this out so I can continue to work for you, uh, make you money, and also be happy? And so, like, I think it just has to be important to you, and you got to just try to keep working towards the end goal, which is, you know, more free time to do what we love to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's I, – yeah, I've always preached to my guys, you know, take as much time off as you really want. I mean, I, I, life is – pretty short we get one crack at it and you know working seven days a week is you know gets old pretty quick and uh yeah no it's i'm pretty fortunate it's it's worked out there's there's been ups and downs and it took it took a lot of years to get to you know to where i'm at so uh that reputation is everything and uh and you know it it comes it doesn't come easy and you gotta no, no one's going to give it to you for free. It's all going to come from hard work. So got to get after it. Yeah. Well, and you, um, it just like anything, just like backcountry bow hunting, uh, uh, or work life, like it all starts and ends with your mind, like just deciding what you want and then working towards it. And it, it doesn't happen. Like everybody wants this instant gratification and, and that's not what it is. You're not going to start a business and be successful and have all this time in a year's time. Like it's going to take time to build this thing. You have to be patient, you know, and, and keep working towards your goal. But even for myself, like I do a real good job with my mood and um, uh, uh, in my in my mental space. But even even myself, I found myself like on Friday, like I just been so busy and cranking and working all these hours. And like you said, working seven days a week get, gets old quick, you know. And so here I am Friday and I'm working on some job I don't want to be doing. And I, you know, I just start thinking about the negative and pretty soon I'm walking around in this negative headspace and I'm swearing when I hit a board against the wall. And I'm, I'm just like, I just have to have this realization or this talk with myself that, hey, it's, it's all attitude. Like it's all the way it affects you. And here I am walking around like an absolute grump on Friday because I'm worn out and it, I'm just in the wrong headspace, you know? And so like I had to have this realization with myself and not that it corrected instantly when I thought about it, but I just realized that, hey man, like you have it really good in life and here you are walking around swearing and being mad at a board or whatever. It's like, yeah, <laughs> calm down a little bit, you know? But yeah. that stress builds up and you don't realize it's affecting you or affecting the way uh, that you're operating. But I found myself in Friday in this negative headspace that I hate being in, you know? And it, it took this correction to get myself out of it, but it all starts and ends with the mind. And that goes for everything, like backcountry bow hunting. It goes for your work, for your job. It goes for your family life it's just wrapping your head around it and keeping in a good headspace to keep operate but that's really how you build a good life for yourself yeah man i yeah attitude on the job site is something that i've uh I've, I've came a long ways uh my, people i had as employees the first five years i was uh on my own was would probably n not even believe uh how calm i am on a job site now uh, but <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's easy to to let that the negative stuff creep in and pursue before you know it, you're you're unbearable to be around and and you're not doing yourself any any favors either and it's just yeah so well that's and that's that's another thing too is just having the 
employees with the right attitude um, that don't, you know, no, having no, not having a, a like a bad egg in the group, you know, cause you get one guy that that's, uh, you know, a little rougher on the other guys, or maybe he's just always negative Nancy and it's uh, it can bring the team down pretty quick. So it's a cancer. Yeah. Oh, no, it'll yeah. just spread throughout the team and not that you expect everybody to, to, to be real chipper every day, but everybody show up with a good attitude and work hard and get things done. And there's no shortage of, of problems or challenges on a job site or in life in general. Like our human experience is just uh, handling problems and then uh, fixing problems. Like it, it seems like that's what life is, you know? And so yeah. if you get mad every time something goes wrong, you're going to be mad your whole life. Like you, like you almost just have to, at least for me, when a problem comes in, it's like, I don't want to just overthink about it or have that, uh, you know, control my whole day or my whole week. It's like, okay, here's this problem. I want to focus on the solution. What are our moves moving forward to make sure all parties are satisfied or happy or uh, to correct this issue that I'm having? What's my best move? Okay, this is my course of action. This is what I need to do. I'm going to start now and start to correct this or make this right. Uh, but if you focus on the solutions more so than the problems, that seems to help me. Like when I sit and just dwell about a problem, Problem or about how a client's going to react and start playing this worst case scenario. It's like I, I spin off in my own head. Like I just got to not try to overthink it or come up with worst case yeah. scenarios, you know, at least for me. It sounds like hunting. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> hunting is such problem solving, isn't it? Like when yeah. we go on these hunts, you make these plans for these hunts. Do they ever work out exactly like you have planned? Uh. Maybe once or twice my entire life. Uh, <laughs> and there's always there's always new variables thrown in, and yeah, uh, yeah. There's yeah. That's that's all. Yeah, it, I never. I guess I haven't thought about it like that. But yeah, life and work and hunting. It's just problem solving. Yeah, so on these hunts, Tony, so you'll make a plan. I know that you e-scout, you put a bunch of time in, and then um, uh, you are one of the most disciplined scouters I've ever seen. Like you put so many days. You'll, you're not afraid to put more days in scouting than hunting, which I, yeah. I've always just really admired about you is the work you put in. But but tell me about a hunt that you show up on. Like, like it just seems to me it never goes as planned. The bucks are never quite where I think or I always run into whether these challenges are weather or hunting pressure like it's almost like our best asset is is our our ability to like adapt to the situation we're given would you agree oh yeah and for sure scouting is i mean i mean scouting is probably more fun to me than than, than even the actual hunt just because there's no pressure like it's and it's just like a, an adult game of hide and seek and i and I absolutely just, I love looking for and trying to find the oldest, gnarliest animal in the area, um, where whatever tag it is, whatever unit it is, whatever species. That's that's the that's my favorite part of the whole thing. And so I love scouting, um, and it's been good to me too. I've seen results from it. Like you know, I've been able to get in get get to a unit before the hunt, um, whether that's you know month before or just three days before putting that time in there has given me results on the hunt that i mean very tangible results like you know I, I, bucks i wouldn't have found maybe or known to stick in that area because he's still there even though people just plowed through there and 
in, uh, and, and then eventually turn up that, I mean, those things wouldn't happen. I, you know, those, those are bucks that you, you probably walk right by. And, um, I think that time scouting is so, so valuable. And I know guys say, you know, some of the, well, I only have five days, only have 10 days. I, I mean, if I only had 10 days to go out West, I'm not going, I'm not getting there the day before the hunt or the day of the, the hunt, you know, the hunt starts and just hunting the whole 10 days of the season or whatever, I'm going to get there still before still going to put some of those t- only of my 10 days on the front side of that hunt to scout. I think it's that important. I take days off the backside of the actual season. Um, and it, and that all depends, you know, if it's, if it's a, you know, what we call a glory tag or whatever that, you know, we draw once in a lifetime or whatever, that might be different because you're not going to have the hunting pressure to screw things up, but that's just not the norm. You know, we're not, the norm is, you know, a second choice tag or, uh, you know, you know, maybe it's private land. You got permission, like a lot of the spots I hunt in the plains, but everybody else has permission out there too. Like, like I don't, there's not many of those places that say no to anybody. Um, so it's, it's not as, uh, it's not as easy as you'd think, but, but the, the, the scouting and the planning is, you know, that's, that's half the, half the fun. I, I, uh, I mean, and there's been times when I've pushed one hunt super late, uh, you know, to, well, that Ibex hunt I had uh, in 2019, I did not kill and I hunted to the last second before I left and had to get my butt to Colorado and had an opening day like the next day. And I remember uh, talking to myself walking down a trail is, you know, I'm, I'd never hunted this area before. Um I, it you know, it was a, my first, uh, rifle tag actually for, uh, for elk in Colorado. And there's way more pressure than I ever, you know, ever saw bow hunting. There's truck and trailers, you know, with ho- horse trailers everywhere. And there's, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to hunt this area with a bird. I'm getting there like literally with like one afternoon to, to get my butt, you know, hiked in. And it was a long ways. Um, I mean, double digit miles from my truck and, I'm walking down the trail talking to myself, just cussing myself out because I, you know, I'm looking at my onyx and I'm supposed to be in this burn, quote unquote, unquote, that uh, happened a few years before. And there's, there's no, there's not even a charred like piece of bark in sight. Like, I'm like, oh, wait a second. This is nothing like I thought it was going to be. I didn't get here in scout. I mean, I was just so mad at myself. And the next, the next morning I shot a great bull that, and it was, you know, in hindsight, I was stressing out over nothing. Um, but I was, you know, not having that time ahead of the, the hunt to, to be there and kind of do my normal thing, had me worked up and uh, didn't sleep much that night. And things worked out the next day. And the plan that I put together actually did work. And uh, but it man, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess when I don't have time to scout. I, it literally puts my mind to ease. And, you know, ha- having that, you can have your plan at home from e-scouting, you know, and I'm going to check these spots. And, but a lot of those don't work. A lot, a, lot, a lot of times things don't look the same. Like Onyx kind of didn't exactly have the border of that berm where I thought it was. And I had to go another five miles to really find an area that, you know, things like that happen. And, uh, you know, you know if, and if you're just looking for a buck, if you're just looking for a bull, a lot of the advice I give probably isn't really it might be a little overkill, but if you're trying to find an old nasty mature animal, then, um, you know, that, yeah, getting there and scouting is way more important to me than my e-scouting than, you know, 
half the time the plan that I put together here in my office during the summer is out the window after two days of scouting. It's like gone. And okay, we're we're rebooting the computer, and I gotta like things are different. So, boy, yeah, if you got there the first, yeah, and 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 that stuff is so hard to do if you're getting there the day of the hunt, and you know, and the pressure is already on from other people, you know. Things, the animals change when, when opening day happens and most these, you know, high tag type hunts. Um, and if you don't already know what the animals, you know, have been doing or have a good idea what, what they're going to do before that, that influx of people happens and it's trouble. Yeah. Oh man. I love hearing you talk about scouting, Tony. You're, you're, um, uh, so right on the money. It's like not only finding the biggest animal in the unit, cause there's a lot of hunts that I go on that I'm just looking for a good representation of the mountain range. Like maybe I don't need to find, you know, the, the, the one that goes over 200, maybe I'm fine with a good 180 inch buck and arrow and a good buck like that would, um, uh, would make me um, uh, really happy with my season, the hunt, the experience, the adventure. But gosh, getting there, like e-scouting is not a perfect science. Like everybody wants to know what to look for. And it's like, well, yeah, I've been doing it for 25 years. So I get a pretty good idea what Bucky terrain looks like or the, the spots that I want to check out. And I make all these game plans on, on my e-scouting. But then you've got to get there and you've got to proof it. Like that doesn't yeah. mean anything on e-scouting. You have to get there and actually yeah. see the basins that the bucks like. And so you've got to proof all your e-scouting work. And, you know, I may e-scout 10 different drainages. Maybe only one of those drainages holds bucks. But I've got to go mm -hmm. look at them and see. And that scouting, it, it just lets you it, it lets you get familiar with the country too. Like you get these – uh, ideas of what the hunt's going to be like. It's never like you imagine it. And so to get there and put those scouting days in, you get comfortable with the road systems, with the access. Like maybe you won't even be able to drive the road you planned on driving, or or maybe yeah. it's washed out, or you get to the parking lot and there's 75 rigs up there. You just don't know until you get there and start to see mm -hmm. it with real boots on the ground, till you start to, to hike these ridge lines, find where you're going to get water, find where where the animals hang out it's just like spending days in country and the more days you spend the more confident you are with the hunt but you just understand how you're you're gonna how you're gonna mesh into this mountain range mesh into the fabric of the mountain range like without putting boots to ground you're so lost and now there are some hunts like I think the best scouting you can do is in season scouting. So like being in the the elk spot that you plan to hunt, like having experience in September in the elk spot you want to hunt is so valuable. And so like a lot of the spots I've hunt that I hunt, I've been there before and I've hunted, you know, I've scouted you know, three days or five days or even 10 days in that unit. And then I've hunted it for 10 days and then I've done that four seasons. So like, you know, I have 60 days of experience in the unit. Like unless I'm looking for a giant buck, like I've got a bunch of scouting knowledge about that unit. And I'm not only going to hunt the spots I know, you know, I'm going to progress my knowledge and look for, you know, other places that I can go look inside the unit with the knowledge that I have. But that that boots to ground, that scouting is so imperative to, to success. And like, um, 
just reminds me like I you know I got really lucky this year too and drew uh, a Montana moose tag and drew some other tags and I've got a full season I'm just uh, really pumped at, at the hunts and adventures that I have but you know this moose tag it's it'll probably be a once in a lifetime for, for me and it's in a really good mountain range and yeah I spent a couple days scouting and I know the unit really well and I kind of have a game plan but I mean to be honest I have to get after it here the next six eight weeks and every free morning I have have or free evening I have I've got to go scout and then I can get back and get some work done whether it's on my personal house or Barney construction but um yeah I hope to have like over you know eight ten days scouting to to pull a page out of your book now maybe by the time my season opens September 15th you know the rut can change and these animals can be in different places but just to get an idea at the size of the bull I want he doesn't have to be a world record but he's got to be a pretty good one to get me excited like he's got to look like an Alaska Yukon moose for me to want to shoot it you know and so like I've got to see what's available in here and, and it's like it's like good like I know hunting bucks I can go you know there's this unit that I scout really hard and I find a good buck in there and then I don't just go in and look at that buck I start looking for more and start looking for backup plans but for me to go into this moose hunt and go okay I've seen four bulls that I'm really excited to shoot you know I need to kill one of these four bulls look for him in the drainages that I found him or where do I think he's going to go rut but just that that knowledge of a unit of a mountain range spending time in there and it is you said you enjoy it as much as the hunt I do too it is everything hunting is except for the stock and the shot you know it's yep. sneaking around the mountain range it's putting in miles and actually scouting i'm able to put more miles in than i am like even hunting just because i'm covering so much ground looking for these things and they're in this this summertime routine where you see them more often but uh man i i just don't think you could bring enough weight to the scouting and that's why you're so successful tony is you're so good at your scouting and finding these trophy animals and then executing your hunt plan once you get there. Yeah. And, and time is a lot of it. And that's, you know, I obviously, I, you know, like we were saying before, having a plan to, to get yourself more time is the key. And, the, and they're, and they're, they're right there is where it, it works. You know, it works for me and it makes my scout, it makes it possible that I can spend as much time uh, in, in the mountains as I do. Um, hey, on your moose hunt, I'm curious, uh, it's a you get to hunt the archery and then the rifle so there's probably gonna be a lot of guys that are waiting uh and not even hunting the archery right no there is no archery for moose so it's all rifle season from september 15th to the end of november so everybody will be in there rifle hunting except for me oh Oh, i was thinking maybe you get a crack at them first but that's that's gonna add a new challenge yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's um I know this unit so well and I'm dialed on my vantage points and it's so few guys. Like I'm used to contending with hundreds or even thousands of guys on a tag. So to have nine guys that have a tag, it's like um yeah. uh they can they can go for it and it's um you know, I believe in in hunting skill set and the years I put into honing my craft that I can go in there and and uh be able to turn up a good moose and get narrow in them. So man, I I am so pumped. And this unit is so cool, Tony. It's such a uh, a killer mountain range with open meadows and big bottoms, and they grow big moose in there. 
And, you know, some of them can be down on private sections like on the Madison or over in the Ruby or something like that where there can be some big bulls. But for the most part, they're up in the mountains where you can go hunt them, where you want to hunt them, you know. And and um, uh, it, it's just going to be a really fun mountain range to hunt. And, it, you know, I've spent 20 years, you know, backpacking into this mountain range or hunting this mountain range and seeing moose and just never had the opportunity to be able to chase them. And so uh, this is kind of my one chance at it. So, man, mm. I'm just super excited. I'm excited for you. That's uh, that's awesome. And uh, I can't wait to see what you turn up. Yeah, yeah, there's some great genetics and great bulls in this unit too. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. I've been hunting it for deer elk. It's um it's like this really fun experience to think about it for moose. Like all of a sudden, you know, not that I won't use some of the same vantage points, but I'm I'm kind of looking and focusing in different places for these moose, you know, in the big drainages and where they'll cross and uh where I can get looks at the bottoms and and, and then also there'll be some still hunting up these bottoms and glassing as I go because these moose can live in thick cover as well. And so mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just like a fun thought experiment to think about a mountain range totally different than I've ever thought about it. And so that's part of the part of the fun for me. Yeah, it's definitely a, a different challenge. I, I, when I drew my uh, Idaho moose tag, I man, I, I was I was actually struggling with, uh, with just finding a mature animal in there. But just the, the idea of I mean, it's a completely different ballgame. I mean, like you, I don't do a whole lot of calling for elk, and uh, you know, I, I don't rely on that. But but for me, the key, and when I finally did kill my bull, was, you know, I talked to a buddy, and he's like, "Have you tried calling?" And it's like, "No, I don't really sound that good." He's like, "Neither do cow elk or cow moose. <laughs> they sound they sound crazy, and they don't all sound the same." And he's like, "Just try it." I mean, in the first day I tried it, I called one in, and it was ended up being the bull that I shot, and it was just. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun hunt that I'll never forget, and it was one of the toughest hunts I had um, I've ever had. So, no, I'm excited for you. And I'm sure your scouting's gonna pay off, and and there's gonna be a big wide bull that's in trouble, and he won't even know it. Yeah, it's um it's definitely challenging when you get the tag. You know, it's uh. Um, uh, moose are kind of spread out throughout the landscape. Like there's not a lot of moose per square mile, you know, even mm -hmm. in the best units. And so, uh, there is some randomness to actually finding that, that big bull. But yeah, like you said, scouting is going to pay off, uh, spending time in these drainages, knowing where these big bulls live and where their home range is, and also just knowing that they exist, um, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it's such a, a huge part of it, but, um, you know, we, you scout and you kind of make a plan, but it, it still is showing up to these hunts and being able to adapt to the conditions you're given, adapt to the challenges that you're seeing in real time. And you have to make a lot of tough decisions along the way. Like maybe you had scouted a giant buck and he's disappeared. It's like, how much time do you put in looking for that buck? Where are the different drainages that he'll go? And I know you're real committed. When you find a trophy, that is where you're going to put your effort. And even that great bull that you killed last year, you talked about uh, being some of the best hunting you've ever been in for this bull uh, that you went last year and you killed this giant bull. But actually the bull you killed wasn't the bull you scouted, which isn't no. typical for you, Tony. I'm used to you finding a great one and then killing yeah. it. How much time did you put in for that bull and how did you have to adapt or when did you have to make those tough decisions? Oh, boy. Yeah, that was – so 
Yeah, I, I actually went there with with the with a bow in mind. I'd had the deer tag the year before in there, and um, I know no, I knew that no one killed the, the bull because I put a buddy on him, and and they he had a friend that had the late rifle tag in there, and they found him and passed him up because he had sheared off half of his antlers, um, and you know basically went from a four hundred inch bull to a two hundred inch bull. So that I knew he was alive once the lion got him. So went in there last year and looked for. Uh, 28 days, uh, include with the scouting and beforehand, um, and, and the actual hunt, uh, it was 28 days total in there and never, never even found proof that he was alive. Um, found another bull, uh, before the season opened, I think it was, I think I found him three or four days before the season opened that was of the same caliber. wasn't the same one. Um, so in my heart, you know, I had a, had a little you know, soft spot for that one that I actually went there to kill, but there was no way I was going to pass up an opportunity at this new bull that I'd found. And, and that didn't work out either. Uh, I had him patterned and I mean, he was doing the, you know, it's, they start early there. The, the season starts in the middle of August. So he's doing the same thing every day with a bachelor group of bulls. And I mean, I had, it was going to, it was going to happen in opening morning. I'm, you know, you know, got a good view of him and, Watching thing, you know, sun comes up, there he is, they're all his, his buddies, and they're just feeding along and doing the same thing they've done, and here comes a truck. Uh, it drove right through the meadow. There was a road, it went through it, but, I mean, I hadn't seen anybody else on that road. Uh, and uh, these guys hadn't scouted. <laughs> they, they got their opening morning, and they drove through. And, I mean, you could you could see them hit the brakes, and you could see the driver, like, pointing out the passenger, you know, in front of the window, and all those bulls are looking at them. They're looking at that, you know, and, they're, and those guys are thinking, what would we do now? And and I ended up talking to him later and, you know, he apologized and, you know, he didn't know. Um, and, he, and they were good guys anyways, but I looked, uh, well, yeah, and that was opening day. So I think it was probably, if I do the math, it was probably about 15 days later, you know, maybe more than that, 20 days later, I finally gave up on that bull and, and the other one that I knew that were to be in there from the previous year. Never saw either of them again. That bull disappeared. Um, and I didn't just look just there. I mean, I was covering miles in every direction that would make sense to me um, and just could not turn him up. Um, so I guess about 30 days is about how long I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> Cause I had, <laughs> I had about a week left of season. I think I had eight days left this season and um, the area I was in was not really full of elk. I think I had seen maybe, maybe a half dozen cow and calves in that whole, whole area during the entire time scouting and then, you know, hunting them. It was just bulls and they were starting to disappear. Like they were moving to where the cows were. So I had to as well. And, uh, and it was a big move. I mean, uh, quite a, you know, a couple hour drive really to where, uh, to where I ended up, you know, first day in there, found another giant. Um, and again, that's why I'm going back. That's why I'll, I'll work with however much overtime it takes to, and finagle deals, you know, do whatever it takes to be, to continue doing this. But, um, Found another bull that was, I mean, just makes the hair on your back, your neck stand up and uh, made a plan. I found him that evening, made a plan for the next morning. Had to have a couple of awkward conversations with uh, uh, scouts that were working for one of the biggest outfitters in the country that were also watching my bull. And I call him my bull now, but that bull and uh, a couple other good bulls. And they had clients coming in the next day. So... Uh, I had, there was like a clock ticking, um, 
I mean, there was only, you know, like I said, a week left of the season anyways, but um, was able to make it, make it work that, that morning. And uh, with a little bit of help from, you know, elk just doing elky things, uh, there was a giant herd of elk and they kind of split up and uh, that bull only had just a handful of cows and they separated from the group and I was able to get in front of them. And it was, you know, uh, there's, there's definitely some luck involved, but yeah, he died that morning, that next morning. And capitalize on your opportunity. Uh, I just uh, like listening to you talk. I just um, I just respect the time you put in. Like, uh, man, it's tough. Like we talked about, uh, like the mental side of things and work, but it's tough to keep your mind in it that long, Tony. Like you just you had a goal of a giant bull, but uh, even the best of us get beat down after those days. Like, how do you keep your head right on a hunt like that to give it your absolute all? Like, it's tough to go past that. 10 day marker that 12 day marker you know i just find my uh i find myself i start to get wore down mentally exhausted um after that many days what do you do to keep your head right when you're on a hunt like that and you do have so many challenges you're assuming that i keep my head right uh, <laughs> i'm not sure that i always do um i mean there's there's times when i'm driving out west uh you know and, and everywhere is 25 mile or 25 hour drive for me you know i don't i don't even you know, living in Michigan, it's I, I get a lot of time to, to to think things over on the way out. So there's lots of times I'm already, you know, creating problems in my head, you know, and, and dump, you know, overthinking things before I even get there. But um, you know, it's little things. Um, being able to occasionally have reception and talk to my wife or or a buddy, uh, and, and just go over maybe what's been happening and you know and troubleshoot different ways of maybe. Uh, turning up that bull. Um, I have a good buddy that lives in Nevada that uh, they had the deer tag in, the, in that unit and they, they shared camp with me for about 10 days. And, uh, you know, even after they left, I'd talk to him and throw ideas out there about, you know, what do you, you know, where, where else could I check? Where else, what haven't I checked? You know, that's, that's like scouting. You know, my scouting is more often taking things off my list than adding things to my list, you know, ruling out places. Um, but, Little things like having people to talk to, um, for keeping, you know, one of the, this is going to sound goofy, but, um, getting, you know, getting, coming, you know, if you're backpacked in for a long ways, coming out, going, maybe going to town, get, get some good food, um, get a good hot shower. Um, if, but if I'm day camp, you know, if I'm hunting out of a, like a base camp where I have my truck and a lot more gear, having a little portable shower there, having, Having food that actually, you know, you know, is 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 something you enjoy, and it's not, you know, just you know, like backpack type food. Um, little things like that go a long ways. I started carrying a chair a couple of years ago. Uh, I never, I, I never took a chair to sit on to actually relax at any point until like two years ago. And I mean, it, it sounds stupid, but literally, like just unwinding before I go to sleep. Now, at a, if I'm on a base camp. I sit in a chair for like 15 minutes and read or, or it's like it just sometimes I can get going a little too hard and go, you know, I just get so hyper focused on a goal. And then, you know, and that's being able to just chill out and like relax a little bit, maybe think things through um, more than just, you know, going a hundred miles an hour all the time. Those little things uh, are key for me. The, um, it's it's real easy to you know I'm gone for <clears throat> gone from home for so long that it's easy for me to get 
wrapped up in uh how would you say like the you know those problems you know that always seem to just keep arising sometimes there's just no there's no break in them and it just like it, it just seems like we've all we've all hunted elk for a week straight and like every single time you get in on the elk the wind swirls and blows it up every single time and as soon as the elk are gone the wind goes back to being consistent and straight for an hour and a half you know it's like every single it's like how what 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 am i doing to to create this terrible luck and we've i'm sure we've all been through it and just you gotta just slow down some time and realize that there's nothing you can do about that just you know stack the things that you can control in your favor and don't worry about the the little things that are going to drive you nuts if you worry about them the entire your entire hunt, whether that's five days, ten days, or three months, um, lots of you know, yeah, problem solving, like you said, <laughs> lots of problems to be solved, and some of them you can't solve. So some of them you just got to be like, all right, well, let's let's try again. Yes. Oh, that's a. Uh, it's amazing to hear you speak um, uh, honestly, like a like about your experience hunting and and authentically to like describe your experience. Like a, I think. Um, you know, we have this um, uh, we have this way that we think about things, and we always look from the outside looking in at somebody else that has great success and gets this time. And for some reason, we think that they don't go through the same problems that we do, or don't have the same problems. And I think it's really good to let guys know that, yeah, I get beat down. And and also your tip about just those. Um, uh, I call it making myself feel human again. If I'm if yeah. I'm backpacking way in, like you say, going out for a day and getting a burger and and laughing with a buddy, having a cold beer, whatever the case is, just for a night is almost like a reset. Or if I'm in the mountains, for me, like sitting down and having a cup of coffee, even though I'm beat down and maybe I'm upset or I'm mad or something didn't work out, sit down and have a cup of coffee and look at the mountains, and all of a sudden it's like um. Like a, you have to have this realization that that you are living a good life. Like you have to uh, be gracious about like the time that you're getting. And so I like to think like I may be on a tough hunt and I'm sweated and uh, uh, my stock didn't work out or I missed a shot and I may be down in the dumps. And I think you know. Brian, like you're doing what you love to do. Yeah. You're here in the mountains and you're you're immersed in this challenge that is like one of the toughest challenges you've ever faced physically and mentally to harvest a mature animal is so difficult. And here you are. You've been dreaming about it all year long. You've been training. You've ran 2,000 training miles to get to this point. You've scouted. You've hunted. And here you are on your days and you're feeling bad about yourself. You still got four or five days left. You better pick yourself up and get back out after it like this is what you love to do right like you go for it you know and so like I do have to have these realizations but you know talking to to guys that are listening in like don't think we don't go through those same emotions don't think that I don't I haven't had self-doubt in my life or thought that I won't get it done on a hunt or that uh that I'm not a good hunter like we all go through these periods and it's building these these calluses of mental toughness to get to the point where we're at to where now you know I know I have mental toughness I know that I'm a a, a good bow hunter I know that you know I can give it my all on these hunts and I can go through the peaks and the valleys I can uh you know I can have a a peak of a hunter go through the valley of the hunt and making this realization that the fun of bow hunting for me is being immersed in that challenge like after the animal's dead that's great but that's where my hunts 
over with. Like the fun of it is the days leading up to it, the days of matching wits with a giant muley buck and and trying to theorize and think how I'm going to make a play and how I'm going to make a stock, how I'm going to uh, overcome these these great challenges. Like that is the fun of the hunt. And once he's dead, it's all over with. Like uh, so, you have to enjoy it. Like enjoy the process and enjoy the hunt and enjoy that entire experience. And if you if you keep that in that headspace of enjoying it and and having gratitude for the time you get to spend and uh, being thankful for your family supporting you and, and 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 having work and being able to live where I live. Like all of a sudden, I'm able to look at it in a different light and just like we started the conversation it all starts and ends with your mind and that includes on a hunt uh, it it is like the most important factor on a hunt is just to like yep. keep your head in it so it's like so fun to to hear you talk about it as well and hear you talk about struggling on a hunt and going through those same peaks and valleys that i go through yeah yeah there's not many hunts that that there's not it's some type of struggle and it's always changing it's always different. It's except for other hunters that doesn't change. That always stays consistent. But there's always, you know, you're not alone out there. But um, yeah, it gets me ex- just listening. It gets me excited uh, about the season. I've been getting my gear around and, and getting everything uh, kind of situated and ready to start packing. And uh, I am, I am ready. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, it's time to cut these legs loose and walk around with their bow and arrow. And you have a bunch of archery hunts this year. So, um, Tony, I couldn't be more excited. It's too bad we can't connect um, this year in Montana and share a camp, but we have to share a camp again one of these days. I um, Man, I uh, respect everything you do. I love hearing you talk about hunting, and I can't wait to see what you turn up this year. And I also can't wait to check out uh, the films that you're going to be producing this year and the film that you already have out. Um, so man, I just, um, uh, I really appreciate our friendship and then, um, I really appreciate like these conversations that we get to have. Yeah. I, I, that, that, that respects mutual Brian and I, and I appreciate the, your friendship and, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to share a camp with you someday. And, um, who knows, maybe if I get done with a couple of my tags, uh, while I'm in Montana, I can help you pack out a giant bowl this year. I'd, uh, I'd love to, to give you a hand. I didn't know. I'm sure knowing you, it's it's not going to be, you're going to have a, you know, a thousand pound animal that's not dead next to a road. It's going to, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be like, like Dan and your close friends that are, that are around are probably going to be like hoping for and yet dreading the phone call from Brian when it finally says, Hey, I got that giant bull dead. And they're going to be like, Oh, where is it at? <laughs> it's not going to be a, a fun pack out. You know me well, Tony. Well, uh, likewise, uh, reach out if you need anything here in Montana or help packing a bowl. Those things are heavy, and it's a hot early season, and, and so uh, uh, we need to chip in with our buddies, you know, if, they, uh, yeah, sure. if they're successful. So, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out and keep in touch. And, um, again, uh, yeah, just thanks for coming on, man. I really enjoy these. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh... – Thanks for everything. And, and, and if you do watch the film, just remember it was my first time uh, doing so. And I mean, first time the guy that edited it ever edited. So it's, it's a little rough and there's, there's uh there's lots of room for improvement and, uh, and, and we'll definitely work on that this year.
oh, it's like everything in life. Tony. I thought when I first started filming that I'd make the coolest videos because I was doing these awesome adventures. And then I got home and saw the footage that I had. And it's like <laughs> you have to condense the story and there has to be uh, ways to tell that story and shots to get. And so the the only way to improve a video work is to do it. And so you're committed to it. You're filming all your hunts this year. I have no doubt that your films are going to be spectacular. And I also think you're too hard on yourself like I bet that last year's video is really going to show off a lot of that adventure you had there. So I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what you produce in the future. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon, Tony. Okay. Take care. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Such a fun conversation with Tony. Man, that guy's a go-getter. Just a, a ton of respect for what he does. And um, he's uh, we're around the same age. I think he's a, a few years older than me. Um, so it, it gives me uh, something to look forward to in the future as he still goes so hard uh, physically, mentally. And, and then he's just got his life structured in a way where he gets enough time to go chasing. So, um you know, I've structured my life the same way, but we can continue to learn and we can learn from other people. And I'm just, uh, uh, it makes me realize, you know, how busy I am right now with all these homes I've taken, my personal home, hunting industry stuff, the writing, the, uh, uh, the podcast, the, uh, the speaking, uh, and, and then my hunts that, uh, go along with it. And then, you know, my family, which is so important to me. I mean, my oldest daughter is leaving to college and we're spending so much quality time and laughing together right now as a family. But, um, man, time gets away from all of us. And, um, so, uh, I'm just going to continue to structure my life to, to do what I want to do and get the most out of it, uh, get the most enjoyment out of it. Um, you know, really, uh, enrich my family's lives, enrich my friends' lives and, um, and push myself. I've been getting some great workouts lately. Uh, finally got the roof on my place, just getting it dried in here. Uh, I leave here in six days, um, for a high country hunt, man. I'm so pumped. It's just, uh, cut these legs loose, get out there with my bow and arrow, start covering some country. Going to be sharing the hunt with a couple buddies and, um, just going to do some miles and, um, man, have some fun, enjoy life. So I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a ride. I know you guys got some hunts you're looking forward to as well. It'll be fun to get to season here and, um, go try to get some animals on the dirt, huh? So, um, thanks again to our sponsors. Uh, I want to thank Everly Stock, just building great packs to pack the weight right. I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics, uh, just building great optics. Again, if you guys haven't tried those image stabilizing binos, those things are wild. Uh, not only have I switched to them exclusively on my hunts, uh, I have all my buddies switch to them as well. Uh, they're that effective and you see that much game with them. So make sure to go check those out. And also on X, uh, the, that app, um, man, I've spent so much time on that app, um, this year alone, just studying for my hunts and then I'll use them on my hunts. Uh, just an amazing program. Can't thank those guys enough. And we're doing that live webinar. Uh, so I'm going to do that uh, Monday the 8th. And I believe it's at 6 o'clock. We're going to jump on there, do a webinar. I'll be on there. Dan Picard will be on there. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll do um, some talks about Western hunting and then also save a portion for question and answer. And that will be available available to you live and also after we're done. Uh, you can get your ticket through Onyx. It's totally free. Uh, jump on and say hi. And if you have any specific questions, jump on and ask me. Happy to answer them. So 
Um, yep. And then make sure to check out the mule deer course. Super proud at how that came out and all the information in it. Uh, eight to 10 hours of information over a hundred different videos, really walking you through mule deer A to Z. So uh, there's information in there for the, the beginner. There's information in there for the seasoned expert uh, all the way through. I think there's good information to pick out. And I find myself reviewing the course, making sure it it um, uh, gets the point across that I want to get across, and I find myself getting lost in the course and uh, learning some stuff myself. So I don't know if it's possible to learn from yourself, but I do get lost in the course as it's great information all about mule deer. Just search uh, Eastman's Mule Deer Course uh, backslash tag hub. I didn't say backsplash that time. Uh, backslash uh, tag hub. You do not have to be a tag hub member to get into the course. I believe right now it's $99. Uh, it's a, a, a great value for the money. I know it'll shorten your guys' learning curve. So make sure to go check that out and uh, check out everything we're doing over there at Eastman's. And um, man, with that, uh, I got to get my gear packed up. Uh, did food prep last weekend. So um, get everything loaded up, ready to rock and roll and cut these legs loose in the mountains for a, a big adventure out of the backpack. Man, it's going to be so fun. Just can't wait. Got that bow shooting good, gear dialed in. Just ready for it. Uh, ready for a little mental break, too. Uh, it's just been so busy with um, construction, these houses, personal house, things of that nature, just trying to get everything done. But uh, I'm managing and uh, keeping my mental health and about ready to go cut loose in the mountains and have some fun. So, um, man, keep working hard towards your guys' adventures. I know you guys got some good hunts coming up. And, um, man, have fun in life and enjoy. And with that, I'll check in with you guys next week.